listening to the Success Leaves Clues podcast, where we're having conversations with regular people doing outstanding and legacy changing things in corporate America and entrepreneurship. If you're looking for the blueprint to help you make less mistakes on your journey to freedom and ultimate purpose, then this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Dr. K. All right, I'm here today with Keith Kepner, and we are going to have a great conversation about uh, coaching, mentoring, because he's a special kind of coach. You're a boxing coach, and I'm, I'm quite sure you take people, um, you know, through a different journey than what most people have uh, gone through just in their professional careers. Right. That's right. And, and then what's been great, though, is taking that uh, process and applying it to a little bit more of a business or a professional career, you know, with them moving into uh, coaching business owners. Right. Uh, so right. it's been, it's, it's cool. Cause you know, you, you get to take a level of the next edge that a lot of, I think business coaches and whatnot don't have. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes. Um, I know from my personal life, uh, athletics and, and playing uh, sports in school and things like that have, have really helped me um, in the, my professional career, like you were talking about. So it's, it's things that, uh, you know, like discipline and, you know, showing up on time, you know, things like that. So is that what you're talking about? You kind of take your clients through? Yeah, I definitely would say so, as well as the fact that, you know, just like a good coach helps you identify what are the things you can control and can't control, right? So it's like you can't always control that you're going to get the W, right? Mm-hmm. But you can control if you put the work in, if you're properly conditioned, if you've been doing your technical work, things like that. And so taking that type of mindset, because I think also, oftentimes in at least the business sense or the entrepreneurial world or even in people's personal lives, it's unlike a game in the sense that it's multifactorial, right? There's so many different things that are going on. It's not just a scoreboard or whatever, and there's not a, a begin and end time necessarily. And so it, it can make things very complicated. And obviously, as I'm sure you know, complexity is the enemy of execution. Uh, so that's where kind of, you know, really just doing our best to identify what are factors we can control, can't control. Like for instance, in the business sense, it's like the economy. You can't control the economy or like in a boxing sense, right? It's, I had some fighters fight last weekend. Uh, the judges, you can't control them. The referee. Oh, that's right. That was one big thing. The referee, right? There's this referee that was, you know, he was really green and not very good at what he did. And it's like, that's okay. He's, we can't control that, but yeah. we need to control what we do with that situation. Right. So you, you are mentioning complexity. If I caught this right, complexity is yeah. the enemy of execution. Yep. Exactly. So how does that hinder you or hold you back from execution? Yeah, well, so think about it this way is that think about like on the on the, you know, on the battlefield or or in any arena, if the if if your area in front of you, what you see is is foggy, has a lot of debris or a lot of distractions, um, man, it's going to like if you do execute, it's going to be sloppy or you might not execute at all. And I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. Uh, nowadays in our super prosper, prosperous world, right? You know, anyone that you know, lives in the Western world, you know, it has a gift that's unlike anything else in the history of the world. And so, 
Um, whereas other individuals uh, throughout history and also in current times that are maybe in a country or society where there are no options, there's only one option. Um, or it's like I spent a couple of years living in Mexico and Mexico is a third world country. And I got to not just vacation, but actually live alongside people that, um, you know, they, they literally live in a room that's the size of your closet and they have a dirt floor and they have like three kids and a wife with them that live in that. And that's their house. And uh, so experiencing what that is, which is a, a, a great lacking of opportunities. And so it's like if you only have one opportunity, that's why those folks, when they come to a place like America, they typically succeed because now they actually can take the focus and uh, all the constraints that they had and, and break from that and execute. But like, let me give you an example, like uh, with like coaching fighters, right? So that's an easy one is that if, if I was going to coach you as a fighter and we're maybe, maybe it's in between rounds, right? Or maybe it's before the fight. The worst thing I can do is give you a whole lot of different things to think about, right? Make it complex. I need to just eliminate all the extra stimulus that you might have going on in your mind. It's enough anyway of, you know, maybe a little bit of tension, anxiety, fear, anticipation, and help you just zero in on what are the most important things that you need to focus on. And with the realm of boxing, it's relaxation. Uh, it's just simply the more relaxed fighter, not lackadaisical, mm. but relaxed, is going to be the one that succeeds. And you think about the same thing with almost anything in life. Uh, the, the professional and the, uh, the, the high level individual is the one that's just a cold executor, right? There's not hatred. There's not necessarily excitement even. Um, it's none of those things. You know, they might have that in their training or in their preparation or after victory is achieved but they don't let emotions cloud their judgment or anything else. And so that is really that ideal zone that, uh, again, was preached uh, to my father, who's my boxing coach and from, from his coach to him, it's just like, you get loose, you go to the top. And I find that's true with boxing, but with business, social interactions, everything. Yeah. There's a lot in that with um, experiencing something from another country. You know, I was in the military, so I had the opportunity to travel the world right. and I've seen what, you know, true third world countries are like, you know, I grew up with my mom saying, you know, eat all your food. There's somebody starving in Africa and it never hit home until, <laughs> you know, until I saw yeah. somebody in, in a situation like that. And right. um, so, so that definitely changed your perspective. But I also caught that your, your father was your boxing coach. Correct. Yeah. Oh, so was that so like? he was my growing uh, up. It was, it was a great experience. Yeah. So, so growing up, Right. So, so he was a boxing coach. So I grew up with boxing kind of in the background and, you know, I went to the gym here and there. It wasn't my thing. My mom is a, an artist and very artistic and she passed on those genes to my sister and I. Okay. And so everyone thought that Keith was going to be, uh, uh, an, uh, some type of painter or animator. I was really into animation, film, things of that nature. Um, and then it wasn't until I got really sick that <clears throat> I was so tired of being a weakling. Right. And these were my formative years of being a teenager and, all my other friends are, you know, getting stronger, you know, becoming more men, really. And I'm like 125 pounds. And, you know, I've, my, my, I literally have limp wrists, like, like a carpal tunnel on both my wrists at this time and joint issues and everything else. And I had Lyme disease and was undiagnosed at that time. And, and that's when I finally got a diagnosis. I, I said, you know, what am I going to be? I'm going to be 35, actually, this Saturday. I was like, am I going to be 35 and be in the exact place I am right now? Or am I going to take control of my health? And again, like we talked about before, control the things that I can control. Uh, and, uh, and get better. And so that's where I use the field of diamonds in my own backyard, which is boxing and having him as a coach. And so during those times that he coached me as a boxer, you know, uh, he and I were best of friends, like literally the best of friends. And, uh, he was really my only friend at that time because at that time I had, uh, I was all my peers, uh, that I was around, you know, were doing things like 
smoking weed, drinking, things like that. And yeah. I had sworn off that life to uh, progress on to something else. Man, it, what, what was it like growing up? Uh, did You said before you were diagnosed, were, were you just yeah. having, you know, thoughts that you weren't, weren't as good as your peers or something like that? Because I know it sucks oh, yeah. being, um, you know, smaller or, or not the size you want to be, yeah. especially in high school age. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, it was this whole thing, I tell you, where when I finally, when when the results finally came in from the blood test that my mom just happened to get for me after, you know, no doctor uh, at this time, the CDC didn't recognize Lyme disease in Georgia, which is where I live. Mm. Um, and so no doctor thought that that's what was wrong with me. They thought it was impossible or you know, very unlikely. And so anyway, she got me a test. I remember the results came back and I remember that that night we were sitting, you know, playing with a bunch of music and things like that, playing in bands, sitting with my best friend at the time. Uh, we were recording some stuff uh, and I remember she called me up. I was like, oh, you know, what the hell? She's going to pick me up early or something like what's up? And uh, 17 at this time and still didn't have a license. <laughs> and uh, she and she said, it came, it, you know, you have Lyme disease. It came back positive. And I remember I was so I was so happy, not because, OK, now I get to call myself a sick, sick person, but because who I, who I wished I was not, was not necessarily my fault. And there was a way that I could get better because this whole time I'm struggling with this idea that like, am I just this much of a loser? Am I just this much of a pathetic person? Cause you know, I would get motivated. You know, I would uh, do my best to inspire myself, chug a bunch of energy drinks and try to get some work done or try to hold the job. And I just ended up always crashing. And I thought it's like, am I really just that much of a loser? And so having to deal with those type of feelings at that age, when all your peers, like, you know, like we're talking about are you know, getting ready to go to college or whatnot, or working jobs, having girlfriends, and I'm just like falling apart. And uh, so it, it really helped, though, because, you know, let me tell you to, to come from that place of thinking that you are nothing, right, to think that you're going to be, you know, just this worthless, almost, you know, scum is really how I viewed it. Yeah. Um, and then to, to realizing that you do have worth, and then also learning how to build your worth from nothing inside of you. I was really, I'm really grateful for that. Cause you know, I don't come from a, uh, a super poor background or anything like that. You know, like upper middle class, you know, grew yeah. up on like 40 acres, which is where I got bit by a tick. So, you know, to have that gift because so many kids that come from a middle class or upper middle class background, that's the worst, sometimes the worst place to, to be because you're comfortable, right? You have people that are willing to help you out and you have uh, a soft existence and a uh, soft existence creates a painful existence eventually. And that's, uh it's interesting how the the revelation of okay now i'm diagnosed with something kind of frees you a little bit i mean for right. a lot of people that would be the downturn but for you that that became the positive aspect in your life and say hey look now now it's something that i can deal with it, it goes back That's to right. what you're talking about you know being cloudy you don't have any idea what's going on in your life but now that there's some clarity right. now you can press forward so true. So true. And that's like the, the corny quote that became my mantra, at least for a while. And I think it was my mantra enough that it just sticks now with my, 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 my soul or my psyche is that uh, I know you've heard this one that with any disadvantage or anything, you know, unfortunate carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater advantage. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it does, if you look for it, right. If you don't, of course, no, it doesn't. But, and so that's where even the most horrible, disgusting, terrible things that can happen to somebody. I've seen many people through history far greater than you and I that have had far greater or worse things happen and they've turned it into far better things. Yeah. So that, that was a good revelation. And you, you got your father coaching you 
Um, yeah. and that's more of an outlet or were you doing it competitively? I wanted to be a world champion. And I mean, that was my, so, so my father, you know, so my father grew up in, in Chicago. He was, uh, you know, uh, he, he had an older brother and his older brother was who his parents thought were the smart one. Right. Mm-hmm. So we always grew up like, Oh, little Donnie, uh, isn't going to go to college. Uh, his dad told him his highest expectations for him was to work at the post office, right? That was his pinnacle of success. So, you know, my father had to deal with low expectations and, uh, people not caring for him and also having, frankly, uh, a physically abusive relationship with his brother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then he, he got into boxing because of that reason. You know, when he's about 16, went to the CYO gym in Chicago, met his, who would be his mentor, Chuck Bodak, uh, who worked with over 50 world champions, including he was the Olympic coach, Muhammad Ali. Mm. And Chuck changed his life. And that's where my father had so many beautiful lessons as a young man through boxing. Uh, and one of the moments, one of the pinnacle turning points for him, I remember him telling me was in one of his uh, fights, uh, it, was a, it was a big fight. Uh, like, I don't know if it was a city title fight or if it was another fight, but he, uh, he got uh, hit by a shot and put down on the canvas and he's getting counted. Right. And so he's down on the canvas. He looks over at his dad ringside and his dad was motioning for him to stay down, just stay down, Donnie, just stay down. And he thought to himself, he's like, well, what am I going to do? Stay down and be like you the rest of my life? Because, you know, his father was not very successful at all. Mm -hmm. And, and was really honestly, you know, he he wasn't a bad person, but he definitely wasn't a a brave person. And uh, so that was, that was one of those turning moments. So he used that discipline and that courage and self-confidence, everything else and fortitude that he learned from boxing, went to college, got a PhD in neuroscience, became a clinical psychologist. And, uh, and that allowed him the uh, economic situation where he could then coach pro fighters and things like that. Cause uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of these guys, you know, they're not like how I have it where I have a business that we live off of boxing facilities. Yeah. And so a lot of these guys that work a day job, they need a career in order to make money. But so, your your um desire to be world champion did it happen no absolutely not no man i only had a couple fights and uh and uh yeah it was it was it was constant pain and suffering but then that's when uh and constant failure too mm-hmm. but then that's when i started coaching well, i got a neck injury in two, 2010 it was actually july 4th 2010 in mexico and um it interfered with my spinal cord and it made it so that I, I didn't need to get hit anymore. And I still tried to get it fixed and get hit again. And then I had like symptoms again, which happened, horrible it happened symptoms. in the match. Uh, no, it didn't happen in a match. So it happened. So what it was is I was supposed to fight that Friday, which maybe would have been our many days later from that Sunday, which was July 4th, 2010, but I was strengthening my neck. Cause it's important as a boxer to have a strong neck. And I was doing it in a very stupid way. I was just like pulling on it. And somehow I pulled too hard on it or pulled it out of line or something. Mm. And I had this weird, like tinge yeah. and then weakness in my legs, numbness in my legs, weird feeling in my genitals. Wow. And I was supposed to fight this Friday. And so my dad, normally we wouldn't spar this close to a fight, but it's like, let's make sure everything's okay. Like maybe it's just a stinger, right? You know, like, I don't know, like you play football or something like that or anything. I have. Yeah. Or basketball. Okay. Yeah, basketball so, you know, stingers, sport, right? But yeah. <laughs> but you know, like when you get like hit, maybe in football, it's like a little like twinge in your neck yeah. type mm-hmm. thing. Right. Yeah. But like maybe it's something like that. Right. You know, it's like, you know, maybe it's just a little bit, excessive type of that. So anyway, sparred that Wednesday, went to the local boxing gym, which is, which was literally outside, just had like these like rubble walls and everything else, dirt floors and uh, sparred this guy, uh, Adrian, who was smaller than me. And uh, he hit me high on the head. Normally like getting hit here, like, you know, here you can get bothered, but right. just like right here like that. Nah, it's not normally going to bother you. So he hit me with the right hand like that. 
And I just went down and I've never gone down from a headshot ever. I went down one time from a body shot, but never from a headshot. I have a big head and I was, I was tough like that. And, uh, you know, and that's where a lot of times going through Lyme disease treatment, I would just get the hell beat out of me, but I'd be like, no, I, I can, I can just keep going. My dad's like, you're just getting hit. But anyway, so, um, I got that injury, uh, and, and, it, and it, and I got back up and my dad said I was about that slow trying to slow, throw punches. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then Adrian being a good fighter, he went on to be pro, uh, hit me again with the same shot put me down again. And then for the next two weeks, man, it's like, I couldn't move my neck. Like I said, I had the the numbness even worse and just some really horrible like symptoms uh, with your manhood that are gone now. Thank God. But with all of that, then I tried to get it fixed and whatnot. Uh, They found a lot of bone spraying in my neck and needless to say, I need to stop boxing, but all of that helped me be a great coach because now all of this lack of success that I had with boxing when I started coaching other people that didn't have all the health challenges I had and everything else, wow, like people started to have a lot of success very quickly because all of the lessons that I had learned, I, I could I could give them. Yeah, you can you can help them get to their end goal a lot faster because you know you know the mistakes you've been down the road, and that's why yeah it's so important to have a coach or a mentor, and it, it's also it's basically the way God set it up, right? We have parents for right. a reason. Obviously, they give birth to us, but they're there as your as your mentor help you through life. Oh, it's so true. Well, think about this. You might not have thought about this before. I, I hadn't thought about this until about a year ago uh, when I first heard it, I think. of Think about it. Even like 4,000 years ago, right? Yeah. Like 2,000, you know, like, you know hunter-gatherer types, right? Like there's a reason why they help keep the elderly alive, right? Because think about it. Someone who's elderly, they're not able to fight off predators. They're not able to do as much work as everyone else. But what's the advantage? Well, man, if there's like a famine that comes around every 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, they would have known about the last one or have like knowledge about that. So there's a lot of survival utility from someone. And same thing goes now, like with economic conditions, right? It's like, you know, we think these past three, four years have been the worst ever. It's like, well, compare that to, you know, (laughs) uh, uh, the flu yeah. And like, you know, World War One, World War Two. Yep. Well, in between that, you have a pandemic, all this stuff, yep. you know, so. Yeah. So that, that experience is uh, it's valuable. Like you said, right. even though they don't look like the, the strongest members of our society, that's probably the reason why we don't push them out or just, you know, leave them to finish. Yeah. So not to mention they they, they helped us. So it's kind of we've got to return that right. favor, right? That's right. And then they still have they still have use, man, because think about it, you know, uh, humans, when we're. Uh, when we have the least amount of resources, we have to make the hardest choices. Right. Mm-hmm. And so individuals in those, like, again, like hunter gatherer tribes, man, like, you know, it's like on the brink of starvation all the time. And so if that person's not valuable, you're, you might not keep them around and, and they won't want to be kept around if they don't have a value, but they do have the value of knowledge. And that's where, um, me having my father in boxing literally made it so that I could fast track myself as a coach and, uh, you know, because all I did for three or four years was nothing but boxing. I didn't go to school. I didn't do anything else. I just basically focused on getting my health right and studying boxing with him and training boxing. And uh, so that I got to the point where, and it's not just me saying this, where people that were trained by him that I would train said, it's exactly like training with your father. Mm. It's exactly the same. And so I got to that level. And only wow. when I got to that level, did I actually start adding. And then that's a whole nother story with that. But anyway, that's what we got to do, though. What do you mean with adding? a mentor is we got to. What, what do I mean by adding? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, making it, making it my own. Okay. Uh, so maybe discovering new things, mm-hmm. maybe incorporating new aspects. Cause that's a big challenge. I see individuals in the business realm, the boxing realm, and in many realms have challenges with is they will try to be creative too early. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm a creative type person, man. I, I love being creative. That's one of my biggest uh, natural tendencies. And but with my father, who is great because he is not a creative person much at all. Um, and so and he's no longer with us, but he but he for his time, just very, you know, execution and that's it type individual analytical. And yeah, so being around that 24 seven, it really helped me just like, let me just learn everything he says to do. And he was a little bit too black and white with everything, but it's like, just like, just learn it like this, learn it like this, learn it like this. I got all of that. And that's the foundation. And then once you have the foundation, then you can add little things here and there. But if you try to, I see so many, for instance, boxing coaches starting out, they'll, they'll try to uh, take a little something they learned from YouTube here, a little something they, you know, saw someone do here or something that they used to do here. And they try to mush it all together, but they don't have this like really hard foundation. Uh, and therefore there's gaps, you know? And so some of those things do make sense, but they make sense in the context of having an underlying foundation. So are you coach, are you coaching people that you prefer to have no experience, no foundation, and you're helping them build, you know, from the ground up, or are you looking for more experienced athletes that you can help improve where they're already at? That's a great question. Uh, so it's definitely the former, definitely the former. That's something as a, as a brand we preach, uh, it's something that also just with myself and, and all of our coaches, uh, definitely do generally agree with this, uh, is that. Oftentimes, even if someone is coached well uh, with a foundation, a lot of times an athlete can have uh, little little ticks or little imperfections which can hinder them. And so that's where if you get someone fresh, like one, number one is, man, they have so much allegiance to you, you know, because you're the guy that got them going or your gal that got them going. Yeah. And so there's that there's that, you know, real deep connection there. But then uh, also as well, there, there's not all this like stuff that you have to kind of erase. I'll give you an example. Like the first pro fighter I ever coached, he boxed for quite a few years before he had like 18 pro fights by the time I started working with him. And so it was this process of like trying to erase a lot of things yeah. that were not serving him at that time. And, uh, I mean, it was like a couple moments that we were able to race enough to do really well and to get some good wins. But, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of struggle, man. And, and that's like also with our, with our franchise, cause you know, we franchise our business and everything else. And we have half a dozen franchise partners now. Same thing with that. It's like, we don't necessarily want people that have ran it, run a gym before. We don't necessarily want people that, uh, are boxing coaches or things like that because, um, there are certain reasons why some of those people are not as successful as they want to be. And it's because of some of those gaps and some of those holes. And so we want to build up that proper foundation. And then only after that, you know, can they kind of add their little extra sauce on it. Okay. So what was your business already established and in a franchise model before your father passed away? Uh, no. So he passed away 2019 and we were starting to think about franchising in 2019. And then uh, started working on it through the pandemic and officially started franchising August of 2020. Um, mm. Yeah. And so it was what well, we were built up to the point where my wife and I were out of our business. We had it systematized out enough that, you know, <clears throat> it is as it is now where, you know, I work with some of the competitors in that location I own in Athens. But, you know, I'm not there day to day at all or anything oh. like that. Yeah, I know you talked uh, several times about your father, you know, being your best friend. I, I was yeah. really trying to see if he had an opportunity to to see the growth in your business or even work as a part of your business with you before. Oh, those, those are some great questions there. So let, let's 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 go deep on that. <laughs> OK, um, is that uh, so? So he's my best friend and, you know, my my first greatest mentor. Right. 
and I have, you know, him to thank, uh, as we do for our parents for, uh, the vast majority of our underpinnings and, and, and base as a person and as an individual. But, um, but what happened though, I'll tell you is that, like I said, so I mastered what he taught and I mastered his style of teaching the fundamentals that were passed on to him from Bodak. And, but then I started to do actually what he did with Bodak, which was, you know, like Bodak didn't teach infighting. And my dad's a shorter person and I'm shorter as well. I'm like five foot eight and I box 165. So most people that are boxing 165 are about five eleven, five, you know, six feet. So, um, Bodak taught the pure kind of classic boxing Think about, you know, Ali, Sugar Ray Robinson type. And so my dad worked on in, inside fighting and teaching that something Bodak never taught. And then I would, I did the same thing with his teachings once I mastered his teachings. So I still kept his teachings, but then I started adding to it different things, maybe a uh, more emphasis on head movement, maybe more emphasis on, uh, other, you know, stylistic things that are important at different levels in the sport. And, uh, he took that as an affront. And, uh, and he's also, as I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, and it was similar to what my goals were with boxing is that, you know, he had a grandiose personality. So his psychological profile was, uh, grandiose personality. Uh, with explosive, uh, tendencies and homicidal ideations. So he had an interesting psychological structure to him. Also, also being a psychologist, which, um, is why some people go into psychology, right? So a little crazy, right? And, uh, so, so he had this grandiose concept though, that like his way was the only way and the best way. And you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. If you don't go that way, that's an affront to him. So the fact that I started to go another way and do things, um, it was an affront. And so it really, the, the, the relationship really took a toll when I started the business. Because I started the business in 2013, went out on my own, opened up my own location, uh, and when, and, you know, he, he helped me put the ring together, things like that. But, but he said, you know, he said to me, you know, Keith, this is your thing. And if it succeeds, it's because of you. And if it fails, it's because of you. And I was like, you know, thank you. And so I started off and, uh, I was doing my thing. I brought, you know, who would be my future wife aboard who managed the gym for about eight years at that time, uh, who really helped me start to operate as a business and put in the structures you need. And, but then I, I got mono about maybe a year or so into that. And so I was out of commission for like a few weeks and my dad, you know, he's a good man and a very nice man. And I don't think he did it with a malicious intent, but he said, you know, Hey Keith, you know, I know you're sick. You know, you were very sick for such a long time. I don't want you to backslide or anything else. So let me hop in there and do a little bit of coaching. You know, if that's okay with you help out with maybe the, uh, the fighters and things like that. I was like, yeah, I really appreciate that. So he went in there and he did that for a few weeks. But then what happened is, when I got better, I'm like, I'm ready to take it back. He's like, I, I want, I want the mornings, you know, I want this time. I want this time. Yeah. And it kind of took away this whole thing because, you know, my dad has this huge personality 
And I was working on, you know, coming from that and having my own huge personality. So it was like, it was this thing of him almost accidentally stealing the show from me. And I was just like, Hey, I need you to let me get my thing back. Right. You know? Cause I, I, yeah. he and I had this conversation like, Hey, like this is supposed to be my thing. Like I didn't know it was supposed to be both of us. Right. So, um, so that was kind of the start of it. And then it ended up essentially with him disowning me, uh, disowning my wife and, uh, and essentially disowning his grandchild, uh, my daughter. Um, because, you know, he just, it just kept on steaming in his mind and he kept on making it more and more extreme. And one thing that my father taught me how to do, which is sounds very weird, but is, is how to cut people off. It's an important skill to learn. And, uh, he taught me how to do that. But unfortunately, you know, he, he's, he's good at doing that and he cut me off. And so I, I, uh, you know, I had a little bit of, um, uh, in the back of my mind, I felt like I hadn't done everything to try to mend the relationship. Uh, and so I, I did a few more things before he passed just to make sure I literally did everything that I could. Mm. But then once I did those things, then I knew I'd done everything I could to correct the wrongs. Cause I, I didn't do things right either. You know, I said things that were incorrect to him and, uh, but it was, you know, hit that point where it was like, there's nothing more I can do about it. And then, uh, he got cancer and passed away pretty quickly from that. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, but you got to a point where you, you did some self-reflection, right? owned your wrong right. and then said, look, I'm going to have that's a right. clear conscience. And then, you know, that's all you can do. If this person chooses not to, to facilitate or mend a relationship, at least, you know, I, I you know, I, I took my step forward. You know, I did, I, I extended that olive branch and did what I could to, to have a, a good relationship. That's right. And, and the only time I think we should have regret is when you know that there was something more that you could have done in the current situation, not about the past, but your current situation. Right. And, um, yeah, so when I knew that I'd done all those things that I, I knew I could move forward, but I tell you though, I don't know if you ever lost a parent, but even though he disowned me, it was, it was still, it was still hard, you know, realizing that your parent was no longer with you oh. in this life. Uh, cause it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and I know it was hard cause you speak so highly of them. So re regardless of, you know, where the relationship was at that very moment, I know y'all had a, a good relationship at the end of the day, you know, you got some great That's stories. right. And, and the influence is right. Cause you know, I mean, so many people, they don't have a, a father figure and he was vastly good <laughs> for any wrong that he had. And, uh, you know, man, so, like so many, you know, I'm definitely not going to be that individual. It would be incorrect, but that individual that, you know, Oh, I hate my parents. Yeah. It's like, goodness, man, your parents got you here, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, bad, or different. And you got to remember too, they're, they are human, right? So they, right. They're, they're your parents, but at the end of the day, they're human and, no, they make mistakes. And I, you said you have kids too, right? Now? Yeah, I got one child, uh, five and a half year old girl. Yeah, so I, I got three kids, and you know, nice. you know, not to get into too much, but you know, when I was growing up, I had yeah. some mistakes. And you look at your parents as, um, as, as being the person that didn't do it quite right until it's your turn. Right. You know, and now now that it's my right. turn, I'm, you know, hopefully I'm making the right choices. But so all you can do is that's. You know, that's the thing is you start respecting your parents more when you have a child, right? Yeah. And, that, and that's why I think it's important uh, for anyone that chooses to do it for them to take up the uh, the role of being a parent because it really does change you as a person, doesn't it? In a good way. Mm -hmm. well, I want to talk so, about your other and, baby. Yeah. So, so yeah. you've got a baby has been strongly established since 2013. And, right. and, and that's your training in your boxing gym. But you're, yeah. you're now in a franchise model. And right. I want to kind of get an Only understanding on how 
how do you franchise you? Because you are what I'm seeing yeah. as, as, as the brains, the talent. So how do you teach somebody right. like me, you know, to, to mimic that, that model? That's a great question. Um, I was listening to your episode with the lady that did Brazilian wax. Yeah. I was like, Oh, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. <laughs> um, just not the waxing part, but, <laughs> uh, so what it is, it, it, it's funny too. Cause like us as business owners, you oftentimes we'll build up a business around ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like you're saying, it was built off of my talent, my personality, my experiences, things like that. And, and, and it was good that it was built like that, but then it became this thing of everyone telling me, well, Keith, this business is so great. It's too bad that it's like literally all based off of you. So therefore, if you died or if you weren't in it anymore, it'd be dead, right? Wouldn't work. And so really the birth of our daughter, you know, five and a half years ago, um, it was me and my wife running the whole thing. So I was there, you know, teaching 30 plus sessions a week as well as a whole bunch of personal clients, so like 70 hours a week, probably in the facility. And she was probably putting about 40 or 50. And mm-hmm. when we had our daughter, she stepped out, we hired our first, you know, front desk person, which was a super scary experience. Cause again, it's like your baby, right? You know, like you don't want to give your baby just anyone. Um, but we started having to structure and systematize out the front desk role. And then I started to pull back a little bit of coaching uh, and plugging in uh, coaches. I onboarded my first group of coaches and uh, putting out the systems of how to how to train people, but also the the psychology of a coach and, and how you're going to approach situations, your type of philosophy that you need to have and doing your best to th- synthesize you okay. uh, and duplicate yourself. And so it was a long process, a lot of trial and error, you know, a lot of studying of other uh, individuals who have done that successfully. Uh, and then, you know, just kept on getting better and better. Uh, and then it's like one of those things too, getting better at hiring where you know, what are the type of people that you want to hire and bring on? What are the questions you need to ask them? Cause, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to, for some reason, intuitively know that what the way that we operate is different enough from other people in boxing, uh, doesn't mean they're bad. It's just different. Uh, that we didn't want to bring on people that, uh, that had boxing experience. And the few times that I had every time I ended up having to let them go, uh, because it just was too much of a clash. And it goes back to that whole thing of, man, if you're green, you grow. If you're ripe, you're rot. And, uh, people too often will, you know, it's just like if I were to hire someone, uh, in, uh, you know, some type of restaurant situation, right? If, if they've had too much restaurant experience and maybe some of those experiences were bad where they learned bad habits about like, you know, maybe how to conduct themselves, you know, you, you can't untrain that man. Yeah. You really can. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting situation. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, perfecting those hiring processes, we stole a lot of hiring processes and interviewing from uh, Chick-fil-A and other companies that do it like that. It's a great company. And, and yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's an excellent one. And, uh, so so we just uh, started putting it all together and, you know, a lot of hits and misses and it took took time, took literally three or four years to get all that together. But then, like I said, 2019, we got to the point where we're out of our business. We're taking home a great income off of it and we're, we're barely working. And it's like, well, what the hell do we ne- do now? And so try to start working on figuring it out. And whenever I deviate from my baby, which is the brand Kepner Boxing, um, things don't go well. So it's like, how can I take my passion for coaching boxing? And then I, people started paying me to coach them in business. Like they're owning their own fitness businesses and things like that. And me helping them. So how can I comprise all these things together while still helping the one location I own at that time? And, uh, I was like, well, they're franchising be the best way to do it. So we started doing that and then the pandemic hit. And then, so when I, when I was started, you know, attempting to sell the franchise, I have people talking to me that are saying like, well, what the hell do you want to like 
open a gym, like a physical gym. Why would you do that? Like, you know, gyms are never, they're gone for good. Right. Like that's never going to happen again. And of course that's different now, but it was, it was a good way to get started. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause you know, every conversation was people looking at you like you're crazy. Like, Oh, like my, my, my city's locked down. Like what yeah. the hell are you talking about? Gyms I don't want to open a business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, um, it's, it's great that you're able to do that now and, and kind of step back, take yourself out of it. But what, what's your role now? Are you traveling around visiting these, uh, other franchisees or are they yep. franchisees? Do they come to you? Well, yeah. So for their initial training, so when someone comes aboard as a franchise partner, they first thing, and this is the longest part of the process is site selection, right? And so we assist with yeah. that. So like, for instance, right now we got, we got two that are going through site selection right now. And so that's a process where we have a real estate team doing that and the franchisee as well, going through LOIs and whatnot, lease negotiations. And then once that location's locked in, then a little bit afterwards, then they schedule to come up here for training to Athens to corporate. And during that time, they're up here for a week. Uh, they can bring up their head coach and their manager as well for that time. And they basically, it's crash course business for and how to run a Kepner boxing over a week. Oh, yeah. And uh, now what we do though, before that, which is a really important part is we have online trainings and portals that they go through first. So at least you, you, you know what, the, the term is for everything. You, you have an idea of what it looks like. It's not the first time you've ever seen it, right? Yep. But of course, there's a value to training it in person. So that's everything from the boxing, teaching, technique to operations, sales, everything. Uh, something with the, the boxing that has really helped streamline it is because think about it. We're, we're doing our best to distill like teachings of boxing that is passed down from Bodak to my father to me. And so it's like, it's a lot of stuff. So the, we've, we have found over the years that we built up our, our curriculum, which is a, it's basically focuses on a theme of every week, whether it's head movement, footwork, combination, punch and countering. And they, and the coaches teach the curriculum because we found that we could run coaches through our training processes and everything else. But then if you leave them to create their own sessions and workouts and things like that, um, that's a whole nother skill in art. So we have all of that plugged in. So it's literally like cook the recipe. It's like, you know, provide the recipe and build your knowledge base. And then we also have like continual, uh, strength builders and things like that. So anyway, they go through that week of training and then they go off to their location. We do a soft launch where I'll come out or one of our fuel consultants will come out and, uh, assist them, work out any kinks, also do a little bit of training, stuff like that, have some fun. Uh, and then they do their grand opening and then they're off to the races. And then we just, you know, we keep in contact with them, uh, very, very closely to again, make sure that we're, we're truly treating them like family, man. Cause I know that through my experience of running my own business and st my wife and I starting it out from scratch, it's like, man, like you don't even know what you don't know. Yep, and then when you piece. find out what you don't know. You, yeah. And then you find out what you don't know. And you're like, well, how the hell, how do I find out what to know? And you, you know, you'll get misled. You'll ask people that act like they know, but they don't really know. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, just because they own a business doesn't mean it's actually doing any good. So it's like you get really crappy advice or or someone's just trying to sell you on something. Yeah. Right. So there's so many times, like, let's say with marketing, right, where it's like, hey, like we need a market. Like, yeah, you do need a market. And it's like someone sells you on marketing. It's like you do it for a little bit. And then you realize like, oh, this is crap. Like I'm really actually paying this person to do nothing. Like, oh, geez. Yeah, I, I've been through that entire wave. So entrepreneurship, regardless of, <laughs> you know, regardless of the field or what the business is. Um, you go through those same things. And that's that's kind of what right. I like about franchises, you know, in general, right? Because it took you and your wife a moment to realize, hey, 
right now the business is revolving around us and we've got to step back, you know, out of this business and kind of oversee it. We, we can't be the business. And so when you got right. franchisees, they come in, um, you know, feeling that. So they might have to be day-to-day operators, but they, they also have to learn, okay, look, the business has to run itself. I need to have managers. I need to, they right. obviously leverage your, your, your processes and stuff like that. Um, all that stuff is a right. model. Well, and something as well, like with, with our, at least I think almost all of our partners right now, they all want to be multi-unit. Mm-hmm. So they're all single unit now, but they want to be multi-unit. And in order to do that, you know, you can't be the one that's holding, holding up the, uh, the structure, yeah. right? So it's like, you, you got to put a beam under that. You got to get another person in that seat to, uh, to, you know, steer the, steer the vehicle. Um, and so, but that's something again, to, to teach that, to know how to do that, um, mm-hmm. and to have the proper checks and balances to do that. And also like you're saying too, it's like, to know when to do that. You know, when you start out, man, like when you first open up, you do, you're going to have to be a little more involved. You know I mean? The best analogy I ever heard is it's like a child, you know, and it's like, you know, not until your kid is like getting into their teenage years, can you kind of start leaving them alone a little bit, you know, and eventually they're going to go out in the world by themselves and things like that. And you don't need a helicopter parent them anymore. Same thing with the business. But what I see with business owners and entrepreneurs is that they'll either be, it's like they have their child, which is their business, but then just like a child, the child's like two years old and they'll be like, yeah, they can go out and like walk down the street. Totally cool. Totally fine. And then, you know, horrible things happen and their business is no longer with us. And then, um, yeah, and then you have the opposite, which is like the helicopter parent, which micromanages the living hell out of their team and their business. And then it's like the business is now 20 years old, uh, you know, metaphorically or literally, and it's still completely dependent on them and them micromanaging everyone. And also they drive their team crazy. So, yeah, well, well, the misconception, and I'm glad that you came on the show because I like to show people the reality we're, we're in a, we're, right. we're in a time right now where social media only shows you glimpses and success, but you've talked about all of your failures and you also talk about the hours that you and your wife put in the business, and that's each. So you're working in your business right. maybe 80 hours, and your wife is putting right. in her 40 to 60 hours. And and I think that's the reason people leave that infant business, like you said, at two years or something, is because they they see your end result. They see where you're at now. And they're like, mm. okay, I'm going to start a business, and I'm just going to let it run by itself. But they don't know you've been doing this for many years, putting in Numerous hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to just to, to beat it to a death with analogy to hopefully make it connect. One is a car analogy. The other one's a actual boxing analogy, which is very relevant. Let's say the car analogy, right? Like, you know, I'm sure you're like this with the car. And I am now as well, where I can drive a car, hold the conversation, you know, do a whole bunch of other things. Right. Um, but that was not the case when I first started driving a car. Right. I would have crashed the damn car. Yeah. Right. So same thing with the business. It's like, dude, it takes all of your damn focus and energy, especially if you are not, if you don't have things systematized, if you're not a, a franchise or some type, you know, but even if you are, it's best to approach it like that. Um, now here's a boxing analogy though, too. Like you're saying, someone that maybe is like, well, why can't I just jump in and be exactly like, you know, where this person is, it's been doing it for 10 years. Um, Think about Floyd Mayweather, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like you watch box, right? You know, yeah. Floyd, everyone knows who that is, right? And you know how he fights or how people like to say that he fights and at least how he's, you know, fought over the past five years, five, six, seven years. Um, but what, what people, what I see happen so many times with beginner boxers and whatnot is like, dude, Floyd Mayweather, man, grace of his generation. So great person to watch, but when are you watching him? Right. So it's like, if you're watching Mayweather when he's on top of the mountain and he's 
you know, the king and he's got the advantage on every level of, you know, who he's fighting and also just of everything. Uh, also, frankly, the uh, the aura mm-hmm. of like, I mean, you know, yeah, everyone thinks you, you can beat up Floyd Mayweather, but wait till you get in the ring with him. And then it's like, oh, man, like he's a different presence than what you yeah, actually like thought you were going to deal with. Right. Yeah. But it's like, but watch him when he was pretty boy. Right. Watch him when he was storming up the mountain, right? When he when he was in the amateurs and also when he was pro. I mean, his first pro fight, he he knocked someone out with a body shot, like in two rounds or whatever. It's like, you know, so him just like freaking destroying people, and that's how he got there. So that's how you need to fight if you want to be a boxer and be at Mayweather's level. You don't need to fight how he fought Pacquiao. You don't need to fight how he fought some of these fights where like your people are like, oh, he's just doing defense and countering. You know, it's like, dude, like and but I see a lot of guys they'll do that. They have no fights, no experience, or maybe just a couple fights, yeah. and they're trying to fight like they're on the mountaintop already, and they're older. Because also Mayweather he adjusted his style because he got older, so they're trying to fight like that, and you ain't gonna get anywhere. So same thing with the business sense, right? Where it's like people they hear Warren Buffett or people like that, or even at a much lower level, oh, you know, so and so has two businesses and and they're successful, so I should do two businesses. It's like no, you should just do one business. Oh, they're they're, they're not in their business and successful. Well, yeah, because they put in legwork or like you talked about the more I, I see myself in the franchise world i see the advantage of it where it's like you actually can start a business semi-absentee in the franchise world yeah. because someone else has put in all the legwork for you and is also frankly going to keep you in check a little bit yeah. because you, you uh, as a franchise or yeah and and it's a beautiful relationship because it, it's a um it's a revenue share yeah. right so like as a franchise or we get six percent of revenue from a franchisee every month. All right. So it's like, dude, if you're not doing well, like outside of our brand name, our family name and everything else, like being hurt, but if you're not doing well, we're not making any money. So, I mean, I want to say what I know about franchises, 6% is low. I've I've seen 10, 14. It is low. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. Some people that might not know anything about it might be like, Oh man, that's a lot. Like, what, what do you get for that? But it's like, man, at the end of the day, like you said, it's low. Number one, but number two is it's like there's a vested interest. And also as well, man, because think about this is that it, it's a I've heard this just to get into it. I've heard this thing of like, well, why isn't it just a flat rate? Well, how does that incentivize us to help you? Right. Because yeah. like if you're doing uh, twenty five thousand a month. Right. We get six percent of that. OK. But what if you're doing freaking forty thousand a month? It's like that incentivizes us to ensure you succeed outside of the fact that we are really care about our, our name, yeah. you know, Kepner name and everything yeah. else. Well, I don't want to hold you too long because you're running an, an entire enterprise and I value your time. But but <laughs> I want to ask you a question um, in relation to the from from the client perspective. So, yeah, is, is Kepner boxing only for boxers? Because I've been to some, um, you know, some gyms that might be uh, MMA sure. or whatever, and you can still work out in those gyms and not necessarily yeah. be a fighter. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so we have really focused on making our brand as best we can. Uh, make it about, we love beginners, right? Because that whole thing, it's like, we're going to, no matter what level you want to get to, uh, we can get you there. Uh, but we love starting with you from the beginning. And, uh, it's something that, and that's where we have a, an advantage in the marketplace because, you know, there's a lot of places that are beginner friendly, but they can't take you on beyond beginner. Right. And also as well, to be clear with how it is for a client is that, What's so beautiful is it's whatever goal you want to achieve within reason, as long as it doesn't hurt the uh, hurt other people. Meaning that if your goal is just weight loss or getting in better shape, we're here for you. And it's a great way to do it because you're actually learning things and it's more exciting and it's a safe and supportive environment. If your goal is to be a competitor, 
we can help you there as well. And like so many of us, like for instance, my wife, when she started uh, competing, because she has 22 fights in Muay Thai, MMA, kickboxing and boxing. When she started long before I met her, uh, she went to the gym, to her gym that she ended up managing originally just, you know, to get in shape and to get like stronger um, off of being sick. And so, but then she like, you know, she did it for a little while. And then like so many of our clients is like, Hey, like, you know, I enjoy this. Like, let me see what the next level is like the next level. And then she actually ended up having to fight. And then she went on to have, you know, 22 fights. So. Awesome. Well, the show is called success leads clues podcast. So I like to point out a couple of clues that I noticed throughout our conversation to help the viewers be successful. And I'm quite sure they'll pick up their own things and, and help them grow in their uh, entrepreneur right. journey too. So, uh, one thing I noticed um, off the bat, you talk about clarity, and th that can be getting clear in life, in your relationship, in business, and it really helps you to to move forward and see where you're going. Um, you, you talk about also, I saw forgiveness. You know, e even when you're going mm. through something with with your father, with somebody that you're working with, if if you allow that to hinder you, it's really hard to grow because you're living in a in a state where, again, it goes back to being cloudy because you're so angry or so bitter uh, towards something right. that uh, somebody did to you. And then... Um, well, let me say this one thing real yep. quick. This analogy is so powerful is the the lack of forgiveness or anything else like that, that type of feeling. Mm -hmm. Just imagine you have a freaking backpack on or a, a gunny sack yeah. that has weight in it. And when you forgive, it is you not condoning. It is you simply putting down that damn weight and keep on moving. But yeah, keep on yeah, you're right. <laughs> And then um, another key for me is just just the sheer grind and dedication that you put in. Uh, you, you talk about right. the years that you've been, you know, working for this business and well, I mean, in this business, not for it, but um, sure. the, the way you've studied, the way you've, uh, you know, taken on from the grades from your father, even, you know, it takes a lot of work, a lot yeah. of hours, a lot of dedication. And I think if people want to be successful, they have to emulate that part of it as well. That's so true. That's so true. And that's the thing is we get into every endeavor underestimating how much work it's going to be. And I think it's important for him to realize like, that's okay. That's natural. Because, you know, if you literally would have thrown it all in front of me of like, okay, Keith, you want to try to, you know, try to take over the world. You know, I haven't even done it yet, but like, Hey, you want to try to get to where you think you want to get to, it's going to be this much work. I might not have started. Right. Yeah. So that ignorance is, is good sometimes to get you going, but then very quickly you have to acknowledge actually all the work it's going to take and accept that it's part of the journey, right? And also accept that when you turn around at the end of your life, you're going to be happy you did it versus take the easy route. Absolutely. Well, I just want to remind everybody out there, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Until next time. That's right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Be sure to follow Dr. K on Instagram at Dr. K Washington or the podcast page at Success Leaves Clues podcast. We'll see you here next time. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.